Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Now, there's a particular condition of the soul that that psalm is talking about. And the condition is all through verse, uh, Psalm 42, all the way through verses 1 to 11. It's a condition that, look, I'll give you the parallel, the feelings, the symptoms of the condition, and then we'll talk about what the condition is. Uh, but the, the symptoms of it, you might have been in a situation like this where you... You know when you've gone to an amazing holiday, you've sat on a beach somewhere and you got lost in that moment of time under a palm tree somewhere or you've been travelling throughout Europe with a loved one and then three weeks, it happens about three weeks after you get back from that or three months, something breaks in and you're sitting at your desk or you're sitting at home and your mind is taken back to that particular moment. Know the feeling? Or, Or... you know, life is just in that space where it's, it's dark and it's, it's dry and, and your mind casts back to memories of time with the family or with a friend and those times it just felt so sweet that if you could just taste it again for a little bit, that I felt, oh, if you could just go open your eyes again and you could be there, you could, you could just feel it, touch it, taste it again. Ever felt that? Or maybe you're an expat, you live here and you're busy going about your work and your career's going fantastic and, and life is busy and then something breaks in and it's, it's home. And I, every time I feel that, I'm sure we've all felt that, whenever I feel that moment it breaks in in my life, I just, I feel like, oh, <laughs> you know that feeling? It's almost like a guttural, guttural response that you, you almost cry out, oh, like it just, it, it washes over you. That's the symptom of the condition that the psalmist is talking about this morning. We're going to get to it in a second. The context here, though, is we've been looking at what it means to encounter God, asking the question, how do we encounter God? The way that we've answered that is by looking at a range of people throughout the Old Testament scriptures who have encountered God, and we draw lessons from their life. And so uh, we've looked at and a whole range of big Bible characters who've all encountered God. The difference with this character this morning is they're not encountering God. They're thinking about the times that they've encountered God. And this cry out to God through the Psalms is the, oh. It's the psalmist at the very top of the Psalms. If you read in your book, it says, For the director of music, a masculine of the sons of Korah. So the first thing is, this is not David. We think David wrote all the Psalms. This one's not David. But this is a musician that says, we're told here, they, he's, the, the psalmist says, I was leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving amongst the festive throng. So back then, the temple in Jerusalem, you just, temple in Jerusalem, they used to walk down the street in a mighty parade before you got to church. I mean, you just didn't turn up at 9.45. Northside Standard Time. <laughs> we should try this, right? We should... <laughs> like, every, every, you mentioned that down from Crow's Nest, the big parade down Oxley Street, and we came to church. Wouldn't that set the house of God off? That'd be good. We'd be ready for worship. That's how they did it then. And the psalmist is lamenting that. And what we know, we don't know why, but uh, he's in exile. He's away from the house of God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. I will remember you. These are the good moments, the holiday moments, the home moments. That the psalmist says, if I could just have that with you, God, just for a second, to encounter you like that, oh, if I could go back there. Ever felt that spiritually? 
There's moments where like the time with God is so sweet and so beautiful. If I could just have that moment on the beach again, then Lord, I know I could get through this. Here's the condition. There are all the symptoms. The condition is he's now in a state of spiritual dryness, of spiritual darkness. Spiritually, we see he, he, he says he likens himself to a deer panning for water. You know, deer don't pan unless there's a drought. He's in a state of spiritual dryness, in a state of despair. Now, if you're dying of thirst, if you're not just thirsty, but if you're dying of thirst, two things happen to you. First of all, you can't taste anything. Your tongue swells up. You, you, you can't taste anything. There's, there's nothing. There's a lifelessness. But because your tongue swells up, irony is you can't eat. There's a lack of strength. And so here's how you can tell if this is you this morning. Some you don't need to be told that this is the space that you're in. But if you're wondering, is this a condition that I'm going through or I will go through? How will I know? How will you know? First of all, life becomes tasteless. You know that feeling where just nothing's sweet? No matter how good, how wonderful it seems, everyone can have that wonderful joy except for you. You can taste nothing. But the second one is you lack a strength. You know that feeling when life is just a grind? When you're just grinding through day by day by day through this tasteless life, that is when you're experiencing this spiritual dryness and darkness, where spiritually defined God is nothing but a concept of extraction. He feels remote. That's what spiritual dryness is. Spiritual dryness, spiritual darkness, that's the condition. Now, by the way, this is a cautionary tale. It's a cautionary tale. Remember we said last week is that one of, and we've been saying over the whole series, one of, one of the worst things you can do to yourself and to others as Christians is when someone is in this state to say, oh, what's the sin behind this? We're going to see this morning, sometimes you're just spiritually dry. And we saw that in the example of Job, all of his friends saying, Job, you must have, do, must have done something. And the guy has to end up begging for their lives with God because God says they're out of the ballpark. Job has done nothing wrong and yet he's been through this. So here we have it. A person, the psalmist also like Job, um, done all the right things, is a believer, clearly a person who's experienced God before, is a ministry leader, but now they're in this condition of dryness. So the question is, this guy's done everything right and he's parched, he's dry, he's cast away. Why? So we're going to look at some of the causes of spiritual dryness. Maybe for you this morning, we've been talking about how you go and encounter God. Maybe you just got to get out of spiritual dryness. What are some of the causes around that? And look, wonderfully by the work of the Holy Spirit, it all came to me in five E's. God, God can rhyme. God can rhyme, all right. Um, we'll see. This is, uh, I've got to be careful here because... Uh, this is the summary, really, of the last eight weeks from the beginning of the year. And so I'm going to get through this quickly now. But here they are, exile, enemies, employment, eating, enigma, the five E's of spiritual dryness. You're going to go away from this place recharged, particularly those of you that like your structure. The five E's of spiritual dryness. You ready for it? <laughs> the first one, exile. Exile. The psalmist says, verse 4, How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. What, what's this from? He's saying, well, what's wrong with this guy? Why does he just go to church? More importantly, like, why does he just, just go and sit on a rock somewhere? 
Why doesn't he just go and pray and have a spiritual experience? Now, that's our Western individualism coming through and a lack of understanding of the cultural context, but you couldn't have that same experience if you're not in the house of God. And I believe it's still true today. That... It is very difficult to have a rich and a sustained encounter with God absent from the community of God as a lone ranger Christian, right? We've talked that through. I said this is a summary. If you've just got your little relationship, your little quiet time, this guy says, I need the festive throng. In other words, he was exiled from community. We see this all the time. I've been there with, with guys at our CBD Men's Connect and they've been through a really tough season, a really dry season. And he says, guys, I don't know why it's taken me three months to get back here. Why do I do that? <laughs> Ever seen that with people in church? They go through the tough times. They exile themselves, by the way. This is not kicking people out of the church. We're our own worst enemies. And... Look, I'm repeating what we've said before because it's a summary, but we talked about C.S. Lewis's principle when he talked about the death of his friend. He said, I, I, didn't get, I, didn't get more, I didn't get more of the other friend when that friend died. I got less of them because an individual alone is insufficient to draw the entire person to activity. You remember that one? So if you exile yourself from community, you can't get that full experience of God. Here's the application. First of all, a lot of you are busy. I know you're busy and you're having quiet time and you're showing up at, at a Bible study and, and church every now and then. And, and what we're saying here is sometimes it may not be enough. You're parched, you're dry. Why? Because you, you're not in this. You're not in the festive throng. You're exiled. And it's not, a, it's not a sin of commission. It's a sin of omission, if you want to call it that way. We just don't do this stuff. You're exiled from community. So... You've got to think about your rhythms in community there. Second one, Sydney, every so often, and you find this, those that have been here long enough, right? Particularly if you've been at Northside long enough, we, we say sometimes we turn 20% of our church over in a given year, which means if you've been here for five or more years, you might have found that those close friends next to you that you've done life with have all gone. And what it means is you actively, even though you're an established member of the church, you actively have to plug back into that community. And I'm talking to those of you this morning that have been here for years and say, wiki church and group and all that sort of stuff, that's, 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 for, that's for the new ones so they can feel connected. I've got, I've got my group. I've got friends that I see and I know. No, it's about connecting into community and not being exiled. Here's the second one, enemies. So first one, exiled. Second E, enemies. Here's the question that, that kept coming up throughout this psalm. Where is your God? Where is your God? And here's what happens, particularly when you become a new believer. But when you become a new believer or you're a believer, you become utterly vulnerable when God's ways become inexplicable. And here's what I mean by that. Um, you, you find that what happens if you become a new believer and, and suddenly everything falls apart in your life, your career falls apart, your health falls apart, Everything falls apart the minute that you believe in God and it happens to people. What, what's going to happen? The question here is, where is your God? See the accusing question, where's your God? Whenever, whenever these things happen, you say, well, where, where, your friends say, where's your God in all of that? You're a believer. What's happening there? Here's, here's another one for you. Whenever you become a believer, you move into the church. And when you move into the church and you tell people that you've been to church, what sort of question comes up? Why would you hang out with those guys? 
Hasn't the church oppressed people? Haven't you seen the reputation of the church? Why would you hang out with that bunch of people? See what happens? Enemies. And and, and the question for you then is, where is your God in all of this? Their question is, where is your God in all of this? Now, here's the point. Left to itself, that question, where is your God, is enough to lead people into spiritual darkness. If it's left unaddressed long enough, it can lead you into spiritual darkness. Now, these questions don't have to come from the outside, by the way. They can come from the inside. They they come from um, what the old scholars used to call accusation. That that still small voice of self-reproach. A voice that I've I've had. I've had seasons of that. I have that voice just about every week. I had that voice in a season and taking on this role and having to step up here and carry on for an amazing leader before me. And, and you're about to get up and it normally happens right when, right when I open the Bible and right when I look up from when we said amen from the first prayer before the message. And then it starts going to overdrive. And that voice says, you seriously think they're going to believe this? Are you too young? You haven't done enough quiet time. Have you guys ever heard that voice or is it just me? Right. It, 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 the enemy can come from within. It could be a whole range of reasons. Your, your mindset, it could, it could be Satan in his way that he tries to come in and accuse you. But there will be enemies. We're going to talk about how you overcome that in a second. The third one, employment. Exile, enemies, employment. Here we see again that the psalmist says, Oh, how I remember that I used to be with shouts and joy and praise be amongst the festive throng. Here's a ministry leader. Here's someone actively engaged in church. And you know, you know, often we don't talk about this all that much, but so often we, we preachers, we, when we do sermons, we're all, always about getting you input, right? You've got to read your Bible. You've got to pray. The, the, the reason that you're spiritually dry is because you're not in community. I'm doing it right now, right? <laughs> You've got to read, you've got to pray, you're not in community, you've got to do all these things, you're lacking input. That's the reason why you're dry. But you know what I've discovered? Sometimes the greatest reason for spiritual dryness is not a lack of input, but it's a lack of output. Oh, how as part of the festive throng, I was, I was reading a book on how to stay close to God and it was doing all those things. It was pray, read the Bible, all the input things. Yep, yep, that's good. And then it said, struggle with people. And I'm like, no way, don't you know me? I'm, I'm, a, I'm an introverted extrovert, if you didn't know that by now. You know, I, I, we can do the smiley thing in the forum, and we love it, but when, when I get home, I'm, I'm an introvert. This stuff, this stuff drains me. If you started with a, a Graham Agnew through a Sunday, he starts off cold and then he warms up. So by the time Sunday's done, you know, he's fist pumping the roof <laughs> as our old senior minister. <laughs> right? Me, like we're, we're smiling, but you wait until I get in my car. <laughs> you wait until I get to my lounge. Oh, I'm done. So struggle with people. You know, what the, what the heck is that all about? You know, it's Kristen, my wife and I, we're watching a, a show on, on television. We're talking about how big our life is at the moment. We've all got big lives, but it's a big season. And, and we were talking about all this stuff that's going on for us in such a great way with the start that we've had to the year, but it's full on. I'm going, Lord, like this is just this is flat stick. Like, can we keep going in this, Father? And and then we're watching this documentary on these people who are, are tanners in an African country somewhere, and 
And they're putting, they're standing in this cesspool of chemicals and stuff and, and colors, and they're flipping bits of leather over the top of old stones for like 12 hours a day. And we're like, oh Lord, we are so sorry. Struggle with people. Here's what happens. The writer was saying, you, you do enough time with people in, this, in the spiritual output. Here's what it does. It drives you out of your self-pity and back into God. Have you ever found that? When you engage with people and you hear their stories and you make the commitment to go to group and you hear where they're coming from and you do what Kristen and I did on the lounge and you go, Lord, I'm so sorry. You see that, that cycle, that whirlpool of our self-pity that says life is so tough for me at the moment and it only takes that engagement to struggle with people to drive you out that way. Here's another way that it works though. It's like, look, if you're always getting spiritual input, that's like always eating and never going to the gym. Seriously, we said, I prayed, we, we, we exist here. We come here not for information but for transformation. You get that by being active, by employing yourself in service for God. Now, before I finish this point, I want, to, I want to just grab you here because there's a dangerous dynamic that emerges as you head towards spiritual darkness in this. And I see this all the time as a pastor. Here's how, here's how, how the thought pattern goes. I'm not sure if you can resonate with this, but life's tough at the moment. And you know what? It's really tough, so I'm just going to push the whole serving God thing to the side because I need a bit more space in my life. And then we, we push that. And I think the best thing for me is Sam said last week, all you need is a sleep and a snack. So I'm just going to have a sleep and a snack and I'm not going to do church. And it's all fine. And I'm just going to be by myself on a rock. And, and as I'm doing that, I start thinking about all the things, Father, that you're not doing for me and that life continues to be hard and the self-pity whirlpool starts to cycle up again a little bit more. And, and so you've withdrawn from all of those things. And then the next step is exile from community. You're not back for three weeks and five weeks. They're exiled from... Can you see that progression? Can you resonate with that? Have you seen that in friends? Have you seen that in friends now that are like that at Northside? There's a, there's a bunch that we're praying for that we're engaging with. Right? It, is, it is paradoxical. Engage into servicing God to drive yourself further into him. But look, most importantly, I want to say that too. There will be times for some people here where you just need to rest. We exist here as a family not to get something from people, but we're for people. And so sometimes you just need to rest in that. That's okay too. Please don't get me wrong. This is not some pastoral manipulation to get you to serve. But can you see the dynamic? A lack of output sometimes is a reason for spiritual dryness. Here's the next one. Eating. This is going to be real quick because we talked about it last week. But it proves what happened. To Elijah, verse 2, my soul thirsts for God, the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? Verse 3, my tears have been my food day and night. My tears have been my food. What's happening? He's not eating. The psalmist is not eating in his desperation and the crying about <laughs> there's, there's no appetite, there's no sleeping. And I don't want to labour this because we talked about it, but last week sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do when you are spiritually dry is have a sleep and a snack. <laughs> if you miss that. To continue what David Martin Lloyd-Jones said he was an English preacher but also a medical doctor before he was a preacher. He says, does someone hold the view that as long as you're a Christian, it doesn't matter what the condition of your body is? Well, you'll soon be disillusioned if you believe that physical conditions play a part in all of this. It's very difficult to draw the line. In other words, there are certain physical things that happen that can promote depression and that spiritual darkness in your life. And so 
We see there that eating, looking after yourself, the physicality of your spiritual life is such an important thing. Next point. We didn't need to labor that. Here's the last one. Enigma. Mystery. My soul thirsts for you, God. When can I go and meet God? What do I mean by enigma or mystery? You know, sometimes there's no sin. Sometimes there's no lack of spiritual discipline. Sometimes there's no lack of input. There's no lack of, of being in community. There's no lack or issue around accusation. There's no lack of underemployment. There's no physical problem. Sometimes there's none of that. And yet you still feel spiritually dry. Sometimes God just simply lets you have a dry time. And you know, we, we preachers never talk about this. We're always pushing you to the next activity level that you've got to do. Sometimes you can just have a dry time. And God does that to you. Why? Because there are, there are times in which God, God doesn't take his arms out from underneath you, but there are times when he doesn't let you feel his arms underneath you. Do you see the difference in that? They're there, but you can't feel them. Why is that? The psalmist understood that. Look, when we feel God's absent, we do all kinds of things. We, we yell, we scream, we stop praying, we stamp our feet, we run out of community. We do all things like that. I've done things like that. We withdraw when God seems to have been absent in our lives. What is, why does he do that? And here's, here's the thing for us to grapple through as we get ready to close this morning. What does the psalmist do in all of this? And it answers a bit of that question. Verse 5. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and God. Here's a couple of three applications point you can take with you this morning. Here's the first thing. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Hear that line? You know what he's doing there? He's self-talking. It sounds new agey, but really what he's doing is self-talking. Dallas Willard says, every morning when you wake up, you wake up with a con- in a conversation with your soul. And you can make a decision every single morning to either spend the day listening to your soul or talking to your soul. <laughs> so the first thing he does is he gets himself in hand. He's not just going with the flow. He's starting to talk to himself. Here's the second thing. I will now put my hope in you, God. Here's the second thing that the psalmist does. You've got to establish a horizon beyond your circumstance. And why do we need to do that? Because we talked about it in Job, in week two, or wherever it was, that look, sometimes there'll be circumstances where everything is stripped from you and God's hand might actually be in that in order to reveal to you what your true hope is in. Why, why are you doing this to me, Lord? It, it's taking all of those good things from you. A practical example for me, as I always pray to God about, is that you know, I, we have so many good things in this place. You could be in this place for a whole host of reasons other than God. I have good friends. I'm so blessed in the way that we're provided for. There's an excitement and a momentum to lead a place like this. The big question I've always asked is, Lord, am I in this for you or am, am I in this because of my circumstances? Am I in this because this is an amazing place to minister? And I pray that he never does it. But it's sometimes within God's grasp that he could strip things from you to say, are you in this for the circumstance or are you in this for me? Analyze your hopes. We've talked that through. Here's the last one, the third one, Psalm 42 verse 5. I will yet praise him. What does that mean? It means I'll proactively restore these things in my life even though I don't feel like it. (laughs) 
See that? Self-talk, hoping God, and at the end of the day, you know what? I'm just going to turn up. I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like being in the community, but I'm going to turn up. Many of you do this. You pay thousands of dollars a year to do this with people. They're magicians. They're called personal trainers, right? (laughs) And you understand that, that that your physical growth happens when you just resolve I'm going to turn up, even though I don't feel like it. Yeah. It works exactly the same way. So that's, that's what it means. You, you place your hope in him, you, you turn up, and then what you do is when you turn up, you go into these sorts of passages, and you just pray through those first four verses. If you want to get any application point out of this morning, you pray through those first four, first four verses. My soul for the living God, when can I go and meet with you? My tears have been my food. People are saying, where is my God? These things I'll remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God with shouts of joy and praise amongst the festive throng. Pray that out and see what happens. Pray this whole psalm out. That's why we read the whole psalm. Pray that out and see what happens. Spiritual darkness and dryness. You know, there was, there was a man 2,000 years ago that understood that, was searching for an encounter with God. That, that one dark night in a garden, he cried out. He said, God, if it be your will, take this cup from me. And he got, a, he got no answer. And he went to the cross anyway. And when he was on that cross, he cried out, I thirst. And some soldiers went and dipped the end of a sponge in some vinegar and held it up to his lips just to be mean. And then eventually he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, this morning, if you're in a a spot of spiritual darkness, can I say the one piece of encouragement for you? God gets you. God in Jesus Christ has been through spiritual darkness. These moments in which there seemed to be no answer, there seemed to be no end. And yet I wondered if it would be applicable that anyone would would pray the poem for Aragorn, for Lord of the Rings over him because it is so applicable, but it might be a a poem that is prayed over you this morning that says, all that is gold does not glitter. Not all those who wander are lost. The old that is strong does not wither. Deep roots are not reached by the frost. From the ashes a fire will be woken. A light from the shadows shall spring. Renewed shall be the blade that was broken. And the crownless, crownless again shall be king. Each of you are little kings and queens. And at the least, in the midst of this, the great promise in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the promise of his return is that this darkness will pass. Are you thirsty? Come, drink this morning as we come to the table. If you're thirsty, come drink. You'll get juice, not vinegar. You, unlike Jesus, have the promise that God wants to meet you and encounter you this morning. You've got the promise that any of our desertions are just temporary trials. Do you come to the table this morning thirsty, hungry, We're about to take the bread and the cup. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be great. You don't have to have it all together. You might feel as far away as the psalmist this morning. If you say, I thirst, come drink. You won't get vinegar. Let's pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. 
If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.